Welcome to Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tarmody, where it's all about health optimization, anti-aging, longevity, and being the very best you can be. Brought to you by lisatarmody.com. Hey team, welcome back to Pushing the Limits. This week I have Dr. Emily Werner with me. Um, she is a PhD uh, nutritionist and she works with the MBA. How cool is that? Uh, with the Philadelphia, I forgot the name of the team now, but anyway, she works with these amazing basketball players that we all love to watch on telly. Um, and we, t- t- today's topic though is something called, uh, a supplement that we're reviewing called Urolithin A that I want to put on your radar from a company called Mito Pure. And, uh, we dive into the research and how it does something called mitophagy. Now, if you heard me on this podcast, rattling on about autophagy, which is about getting rid of senescent cells and the recycling process that our body has and how we can upregulate it um, and keep ourselves clean, so to speak, from the garbage collecting in our cells. Well, this is mitophagy, uh, 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 basically the same process, but in the mitochondria. And the mitochondria are the powerhouses of our cells, as you'll hear about in this uh, interview. So this is all about mitochondrial health and at the base of 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 almost all disease is mitochondrial dysfunction or at least a large number of diseases so i hope you enjoy this interview with dr emily Werner. um uh, please if you love this content if you could rate and review the show if you could subscribe please on youtube i'd love you to go over to the youtube channel if you're listening to this on the podcast and vice versa subscribe on the podcast subscribe on the youtube that would be really super appreciated and if you can share it with your friends Um, and don't forget our patron uh, program to help keep all this on air and keep this great content coming to you you can go to patron.lisatarmody.com and for the price of a coffee a month or two you can donate a coffee uh, the equivalent of a coffee or two a month to me and my team that would be absolutely fantastic and we can keep this fantastic uh, content coming to you on air and make sure you check out everything that we do our anti-aging supplements our curated anti-aging range uh, and also our um, epigenetics program and my health optimization coaching a one-on-one program and we now in New Plymouth have a hyperbaric oxygen therapy clinic um, up and running we haven't even got our website live yet but we are operating and I'm getting around to the website on top of all their other round to it jobs but uh, we with you shortly the hyperbaric oxygen you know I'm a huge great fan of it you can see it in the background of my video is one of the mild hyperbaric chambers but we now have one of the hard shell hyperbaric chambers a big proponent of this amazing therapy so please reach out to me if you want to come and have some hyperbaric sessions if you live in New Plymouth or Taranaki area we'd love to help you out right over to the show with Dr Emily Werner Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today, I have a wonderful guest for you, Dr. Emily Renner, uh, to, to guest, and we're going to be talking um, about something called Urolithin A is going to be the main subject of this discussion. Uh, welcome to the show, Dr. Emily. It's fantastic to have you. You're sitting in Philadelphia, and we've just exchanged weather stories, uh, <laughs> but uh, Philadelphia gets quite cold in the winter, doesn't it? Yes, but we don't get the same snow that I grew up with in the Midwest, so I'll take it. <laughs> you take it. It's better. It's an improvement. And you've got spring coming and we've got autumn. So um, 
Dr. Dr. Emily, um, can you give us, before we dive into the science or around what Timeline Nutrition is doing in Matapua and uh, all the good stuff there, can you give us a little bit of a background about yourself and what you do and who you work with and the exciting stuff that you get up to? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited to talk to your audience today. Um, so I am a sport dietitian by trade. So, uh, or nutritionist as, as your audience may know better. Um, and I work in the NBA. So the national basketball association, and I work for the Philadelphia 76ers as my primary. It's great. Um, being a basketball player myself, it was, it's, it's really a dream job for me to be able to work with the highest caliber of athletes in a sport that I love so much. Um, it's an interesting one because, you know, you're dealing with athletes who have been playing their entire lives. I have a wide range of ages that I deal with. I think my youngest is 20 and my oldest is 37. Yep. So it's, it's, it keeps me on my toes for sure. Um, So I, I'm trained in, I have a master's degree in human nutrition and I have a PhD in exercise physiology. So my career goal was always to be able to marry those two expertise together. And I thought I'd end up in research and academia, um, and which I still do love very much. Um, but I'm working in the field instead right now. And those expertise play well into my role with timeline nutrition, as you mentioned, um, for whom I'm a consultant and, Really, they um, they found me. They reached out about wanting someone on the team that is U.S. based. So they're based in Switzerland and they wanted a U.S. practitioner who could really translate the science to the field. Um, and especially in the sport world where a mitochondrial health supplement is so applicable mm. um, and so I, I deep dove into the research and the company and I was like, wow, this is actually really impressive. Um, and so I agreed to sign on and it's been about a year and wonderful. That's amazing. And, and, you know, I've I've got a history as a a extreme sort of ultra endurance athlete who's, you know, uh, run all around the planet. Um, I wish I had a mitochondrial (laughs) back then. (laughs) I'm retired now, you know, like it would have been really beneficial to have, have a little bit more energy at the end of the day. Um, and, and you know what? Like it's, I think, uh, you know, mitochondria are one of my pet subjects to learn about because mitochondria are everything, you know? Right. Um, so I mean, for, for people who don't understand what the heck mitochondria are and people who listen to my show probably do, but let's give them a little bit of a, a refresher. What, what is a, what is a mitochondria and why does it fit in with this conversation? So I like to start from a 30,000 foot view of the human body itself. We are made up of trillions of different types of cells. And within each of those cells, it's like its own little community that has what we call organelles in them that have different functions to help make that cell function for whatever region of the body it's in, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, necessary thing it needs to do. Within every cell type that there is, Aside from red blood cells, they all contain mitochondria, which are in American high schools, you go through school learning the mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cell. That's like what we learn. (laughs) Right. So, um, and it's funny because so many people equate that to only muscle function and they think mitochondria live in the muscle, but in reality, mitochondria live in every cell except red blood cells. And it's because they are the house, which creates power, not necessarily powerhouse, like pow, pow, power, like that kind of thing. 
So the mitochondria are where uh, cellular respiration takes place, which is just the energy production process that we all know and love because we we need energy. So they they produce there's thousands to even hundreds of thousands of mitochondria per cell, which all create the energy or ATP that we need to function. And so it just kind of trickles up from there in terms of function. Yeah. And so like every single, so just to get that in people's minds, every single cell in our body has these little organelles called mitochondria, which are actually an ancient bacteria. They're not even part of our own DNA. They have their own DNA. Um, mm-hmm. And somewhere along the way, when, way back when they, uh, we had this sort of symbiotic relationship where they came into us and, and we gave, when housed them, so to speak, <laughs> and they gave us the ability to use oxygen for, for energy. Um, now, as we get older, uh, we start to decline in our mitochondrial function. And this is one of the reasons why we get aging. It's one of the, the hallmarks of aging. Um, so whatever these little powerhouses are doing and needing, we need to be optimizing, you know, the mitochondrial function because this is, you know, what I, I think people like, um, if you think like a liver cell versus a skin cell versus a neuron, these are all different types of cells and they've all got the same DNA information, uh, exact same, uh, at one, but why, you know, like why is one different than another? Why is a liver different than a neuron, for example? Well, it comes down to what that cell's function is supposed to be. I mean, the body is incredible in that way that we can have, we, we were manufactured in such a way that different areas and organs and parts of the body have specific cells specific to that area for a specific function. So that's why, you know, you don't want your neurons acting like liver cells and your liver cells acting like neurons. So they have different compositions within the cell to achieve different functions. Yep. And then then the the DNA itself is read differently, you know, like it's expressed, some genes are expressed in this cell and some genes are expressed in another cell from how I understand it. Um, But these little mitochondria are really the the thing that's creating the actual energy, the ATP that we need. Um, So our, our mitochondria are absolutely crucial. Now, Timeline Nutrition has been studying something called urolithin A for over a decade now, correct? Um, hundreds of studies, human clinical trials, which is rare in the supplement space. Um, and it's a very interesting molecule. Can you tell us why? I mean, firstly, why, why does our mitochondria decline as we age? And then what is urolithin A? So not only as we age, but as we experience stress, um, the different physiologic processes that happen because of those two forms of stress, as we'll call them, they damage our mitochondria because your body produces what we call reactive oxygen species, which can have a direct effect on the mitochondria. The mitochondria themselves become tired over time. You know, if you think of it like a dishwasher, you could get a brand new dishwasher and you run that thing once a day, once a week for however many years, and eventually it's going to break down and need to be replaced. The mitochondria are the same way in the sense that they function for a certain amount of time and then they slow down in their function eventually to the point of needing to be replaced. Instead of a full-on 
kill off the mitochondria and produce a new one, the body has developed this recycling process called mitophagy. So it's, if, if your listeners have heard of autophagy, a cellular mm, recycling, yeah. mitophagy is the same thing. You're, you're, it's just specific to the mitochondria. So instead of a complete removal and replacement, it's a recycling that allows the cell to use the dysfunctional parts of one mitochondria and recycle it into a fresh new mitochondria, which is great. It's an energy energy conservation process. So it kind of came along with evolution in terms of, you know, the body at all times wants to preserve itself, right? So that's one way to do it. The problem is, is that as we age and as we experience stress, whether that be external stress, like, you know, weather or toxins or anything like that, or internal stress, like emotions and exercise and all of that, not only do our mitochondria become dysfunctional quicker, that mitophagy process also slows down. Uh-huh. So it's kind of a, a double whammy in terms of mitochondrial function, just declining that much faster, the more stress we put on our body. And again, aging comes into it, which is inevitable. Like aging is the one stress you actually can't stop. <laughs> so um, where timeline nutrition comes in, as you mentioned, the research has been going on for over 15 years and it all started in uh, pomegranates, actually. Yeah, um, pomegranates, the fruit. <laughs> yeah. Yes, our our co-founders um, just wanted to look into pomegranates because at the time they were touted as this really great superfood. And I mean, they still are, not to say pomegranates are not this superfood. You know, they contain a lot of phytonutrients that are super important to health. And our researchers were like, well, what is it? Like, what, what is it that's so good for health? And among many polyphenols identified, they found urolithin A, which is a class of urolithins, which is, they come from the elegitanins, which is a polyphenol in the pomegranate. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens is when you ingest pomegranates, your gut microbiome converts the elegitanins into urolithin A. And what's so cool about this molecule is that it induces mitophagy. Wow. So it's the first supplement that's been shown, the first metabolite that's been shown to induce mitophagy. The only other things we know of at this point that trigger that recycling process are intermittent fasting or fasting in general and exercise. So exercise is interesting because it both <laughs> contributes to the stress that yeah, we're yeah. in mitochondria, but it also improves mitochondrial biogenesis and in this mitophagy process. So it's, but it's, it's the overtraining that's where we get the dysfunction kind of problems. Um, so that's where quite well, (laughs) I'm sure you do. Oh my God. I'm sure you guys do in the the basketball too. You have to sort of be at that limit of pushing the things, but if you overwhelm that, 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 um, you know, oxidative stress in that response, then you, yeah, you can overdo it. Exactly. And that's where these forms of, whether it be supplements or whether it be just certain strategies to focus on mitochondrial health become so important because as you started this conversation with, the mitochondria are one of the most important parts of our body because it's everything starts there. Everything starts there. So if you can optimize your mitochondrial health, you can hopefully have a positive downstream effect on whatever else is going on, whether that be inflammation, overall energy levels, sleep issues, all of that can come back to how are your mitochondria functioning. 
Yeah. And, and then, you know, we've just gone through a pandemic worldwide and stuff, you know, viruses and bacteria yeah. and certain things can damage your, your mitochondria as well. And so, you know, we, 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 you know, if you, if you think like we're, we like those little Star Wars spaceships flying through space and everything's coming at us, you know, that's the mitochondria. That's how I see them. Like, and they're trying to yes. dodge these comets and missiles and whatever's coming at them. And, and we, we're destroying, you know, they're being destroyed and then we need to rebuild them. And this mitophagy process is happening. Um, and so we want to do things. Um, cause I'm really big. I've talked often on the show about autophagy and senescent cells and why we need, you know, certain senolytics that can, that can induce, uh, autophagy and fasting, of course, and things, and to get rid of those damaged cells. And it's the same sort of process, but only within the mitochondria, which is what we're talking about. Now, with urolithin A, um, some people went like, people were thinking, well, why can't I just eat a pomegranate? Why do I need a supplement? Um, And there is, I think it was a 60% of people have the bacteria that can actually turn this into the the right metabolite, which is actually the urolithinase is what we're after, but some people don't have that that actual bacteria. Correct. So it's actually 30%. Oh, 30%. Yes. Only 30% can do this conversion. Okay. Just interrupting the show to let you know about our patron community here and the podcast at Pushing the Limits. We've been going for eight years and we really need your support to keep the show on air and free to everybody so that everyone gets this fantastic information uh, from all these great doctors, scientists, athletes, business people from all around the world. So we would love you to come and join us. You get a lot of exclusive member benefits when you do, but really it's about supporting the show and keeping it on air. And for a coffee or two a month, that would be fantastic if you can come and join us. You can go to patron.lisatamati.com. That's patron.lisatamati.com and check it all out. The notion of can't we just eat more pomegranates and get the benefits of that, that was the first thought our researchers had once they discovered this molecule. Um, and so one of the first studies that they did was let's look at the conversion rates of pomegranate juice into urolithin A and then compare it to Mitopure, which is the supplement they developed of urolithin A. And what they found was that most people cannot produce urolithin A in any real, not not just measurable, but any meaningful quality, quantity um, from just drinking the pomegranate juice. So only 30, 40% of people can make it. So... It's, so, it's, that's yeah. why this metabolite, this, this supplement version is so important because it bypasses the bioavailability issue of the gut microbiome. And I, I can speak from my own experience. We have this really cool clinical trial where we'll send people a kit where they can do a blood spot and do this study themselves, essentially. Wow. And I did it and thinking like, I'm a dietitian. I eat really well. Fruits and vegetables are my best friend. Like I must have such, a, I take pro- probiotics occasionally, you know, I must have a great gut microbiome, I bet I'm going to be a high producer. (laughs) I was not. (laughs) And it really comes down to, there's so many variables that affect our gut microbiome and its health that you really can't predict whether or not you're going to be a producer. And so for something so important and intriguing as this metabolite for mitochondrial health, to me, the way that I view it for myself and for my athletes is, well, if there is a supplement version that I know 
circumvents the bioavailability issue. We also know it's safe. It's NSF certified. You know, the research, the clinical trials have been positive. You know, why not utilize it in the same way that I supplement my athletes with vitamin D because you can't get that from food either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people, you know, I have this discussion often with people and they're going, well, why do we need supplements? My granddad didn't have supplements and he survived. And I'm like, yeah, you are not living in your granddad's world. I can tell you that much. Like we are assaulted daily with, you know, those, I don't know, hundreds, there's thousands and thousands of different chemicals that are now bombarding us every day from exhaust fumes to off-gassing paints to glyphosate to, you know, everything in our modern-day world, which we love and want all the things, don't we? But it comes at a cost for our bodies and our body's ability to detox and things. And that's why then you go to our food supply, which is a complete disaster, really, to be honest, and the the modern methods of farming and the stuff that we put on them and stuff. And And our food just is not what... The apple that your grandma and your granddad ate is not the apple that you eat today. Um, yep. And so we need to be looking at these other ways of of, of optimizing our nutrition because we're like, you know, to, uh, to a large part, we're overfed and undernourished. Right. <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. as, a, as a, you know, nutritionist know, know this very, very well. Um, so looking for the right supplements for me is like key. And then if we're looking at the whole, you know, anti-aging world and longevity science, and we've identified the sort of 10 hallmarks where it keeps changing, 9, 10, 12 um, yeah. hallmarks of aging uh, that the scientists have identified, and we can attack those one by one. And then, you know, I do think we will be able to slow the aging process down and that it is a disease and that one day we may be able to actually, you know, <laughs> that escape philosophy that David Sinclair talks about all the time. And um, I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, <laughs> that we may be able to get a few extra decades out yes. of our bodies. And this is the thing, like we're exposed every single day, you know, the exposome, we're exposed to stuff and everything's washing over our bodies all the time, all these things, the good, the bad and the ugly that we do to ourselves. And our body keeps a track of it. So there's a record of it. Um, and, you know, we can do biological aging tests. We can do methylation tests and things like that and see how well we're doing on that front. Um, but when we get something that like, like urolithin A that comes along, uh, and I was put onto this by Dr. Elizabeth Yurth, who's my teacher and great friend and, um, who's been on the show half a dozen times, uh, she was like, you got to get your mum on this because she's my mum's physician as well. <laughs> and um, I'm going, whenever she says something, I pay attention because she really, really knows this stuff. And so then I started to research this this molecule and, you know, was super excited to to find that we can actually grab it now and buy it now. The the, the biggest problem for those listening out there is um, urolitin A at the moment is only being sold in the US, so we can't get it shipped down to New Zealand. So I have found a way. I've got an affiliate link and I'll put the links down below, et cetera. What I suggest my listeners do if you want to get this product, um, just as an aside before we continue our conversation, is that you go and get a MyUS account, which is an address in the US, and then you can get it sent out via that address, and that sort of circumvents a lot of the problems. Because in in New Zealand and Australia, we have this problem, and I've come up against it over and over and over and over again for stuff that I'm trying to get out of the States, and I can't get it here. And that's the way that I circumnavigated. So just as an aside for everybody, do it that way. (laughs) Use the affiliate link, get some discount, 
go through myus.com and get an address in the states, and then you've 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 found your way around the the bureaucratic problem that we have there. Um, so, can you tell me on a on a what what is so urolithine? What is it actually doing to cause this mitophagy process? Do you like? Do we understand the science to that degree yet? The short answer is no. We are currently conducting studies to get into at what part of mitochondrials, the mitochondria's life cycle, right? So it, it there's fusion, fission, biogenesis. It kind of goes in this life cycle process. We don't know at what point in the process your lithin A has its effect. We just know what the effect yep. is. So we are working on figuring out exactly where that occurs. Now, because this is uh, uh, working on the mitochondria, so we don't quite know exactly the mechanism of action there and how and why, but it is working on the mitochondria. So then can I assume that this is going to be beneficial for a ton of diseases? And we're not allowed to claim anything, obviously. Um, But um, just from a, from a mechanistic point of view, right? If, if, if you're at the base of all disease, in my opinion, a large part of it is mitochondrial dysfunction. My opinion, people are like this is <laughs> non-doctor speaking, um, but th- this this it's the cause and it's at the basis of so much disease is this dysregulation of their mitochondria. So therefore, anything that's going to benefit this mitochondria could be perhaps benefiting, you know, many a wide range of problems and ailments that we're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're looking into. Um, the My understanding of the intention for urolithin A and the company is never to become a drug. We want it to be yeah. Um, yeah, we want it to be a more readily available supplement. And so because of that, there are going to be constraints to the research conducted. Um, but I do know we've recently received a, a grant in Switzerland to conduct research into um post cancer radiology treatment. Wow. So so really in this kind of recovery space, I think that's where we're trying to tap into and see what's really going on. Um additionally, we'll be running studies in brain health. We have one finishing up right now in elite athlete populations. There was a mouse model of Im- immunity that came out, a mouse model of osteoarthritis. So really as you said, the mitochondria have such a role in just about everything that you can possibly think of. Um, and so figuring out in what ways can refreshing the mitochondria, how can that help certain disease states? Because what it doesn't do is it doesn't change the mitochondrial DNA. It doesn't change what a specific cell is meant to do or what they are going to do. So if there's a dysfunction in the DNA itself, and we can talk to our medical director on this, and I hope I don't get slapped on the wrist for saying this, but like my urolithin is not going to help that. Yeah. That makes sense. But for mitochondrial dysfunction, if the dysfunction relates to the mitochondria, just becoming tired and less useful and less efficient over time, that's where urolithin a helps. Yeah. Which is a ton of things. (laughs) things, Because Um, if your mitochondria are high functioning, you have, more energy, not to just only do things, but for those cells to do their job better. And you have a higher antioxidant capacity of your cells themselves, which gets rid of those, you know, reactive oxygen species like we talked about. So it really does, in a sense, 
detoxify the cells if the mitochondria are functioning better. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like with antioxidants, I mean, like 20, 30, I don't know how many years ago, but we used to think, oh, reactive oxygen species are bad, therefore put antioxidants in the mix and Bob's your uncle, you know, we're fine. It doesn't quite work like that, we found out. No. (laughs) And when you deal with antioxidant supplements, we encounter the same issue of the gut microbiome all over again. You know, it's, we have yet to develop something like an antioxidant that just circumvents that entire issue, you know? So an antioxidant can only like be an antioxidant. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to change the mitochondria. They're not going to refresh the mitochondria. They're just going to maybe do their job around it. But what we've also seen is that, we want some level of reactive oxygen species. Yeah. It's, you know, there's, I think of it like, uh, like Goldilocks and the three bears, right? Yeah. You don't want too much. You don't want too little. You need just the right amount. So if you try to overload the body with all of these things that are going to get rid of your reactive oxygen species, it's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. So things that don't work on that pathway, though, there's another one that's came on my radar recently called 2HOBA, which works on the membrane and not on the actual antioxidant communicating with the DNA in the cell. And, and that's an interesting one too. And, and so things that work outside of that normal antioxidant range are, are quite interesting because, yeah, like you say, when you, when you put an antioxidant in the mix, yes, it does quench the reactive oxygen species, but sometimes an exercise is a classic example of that. We want the signaling from that reactive oxygen species because that tells the DNA to, hey, make some more muscle fiber, well, you know, yes. in the DNA language, make some more muscle fibers because we're putting them under more stress. So that stressor is actually caused, and that's, you know, that's that whole hemesis um, theory uh, and, and the way that we do a little bit of a stressor in order to cause a response to make us become stronger. And this is why, yes. you know, cold therapy, sauna, exercise, hypoxia, hypooxia, uh, all of these things can cause just a bit bit of a stressor uh, enough to make the, the body go, oh, I'm in trouble. I've got to make some more of these mitochondria or I've got to make some more muscles or whatever. Yeah. And that's, but this is working outside of that sort of a system. And that's, that's what's interesting. Um, you know, like with cold therapy, um, my brain is just going to, you know, mitobiogenesis, where like I know that cold therapy, you get into some cold water and it can make someone explained this beautifully. It was a good analogy that stuck in my head. That's why I remembered it. If you've got a disabled mitochondria and it's damaged and it's lost its left arm, shall we say, and another one who's lost his right arm, and then you go and hop in cold water and it causes the mitochondria to go, hey, do you think we should get together and then we'll have two <laughs> arms? You know, like it was just a really lovely little analogy. And so yeah. these two mitochondria come together and make one big, powerful, strong mitochondria again. And so every time I'm in the cold water, I was in there last yesterday and I'm like, this is terrible. Uh, but my <laughs> mitochondria are joining forces and I'm making new ones. So yes. It's great, well- you know. That's that mitophagy process I talked about, right? So you have one mitochondria that's lost its left arm and it's dysfunctional because of that. You have another one who's lost its right arm and it's dysfunctional because of that. So mitophagy is the process of putting those things together. And the biogenesis that happens is just, it. it's another way of saying that mitochondria is reborn. Wow. 
Isn't that cool? And like, because one thing that I've always been wondering, and you might be able to answer this or not, I don't know, but do we have a set, you know, like with stem cells, we have a sort of a set limit of stem cells that we have in the body. Um, is there a set number of mitochondria that you're born with? And then you, you know, once you've exhausted those mitochondria, you're sort of buggered for the want of a better description. Or do that's they really- make themselves, you know? Like yeah, the- that's, they do. That's, that's a great question. Um, I mean, if you think about it in the same way that you can make muscle cells and hypertrophy, those muscle cells have to contain mitochondria too. So yes, within mm. cellular diffusion that occurs and um, cellular reproduction that occurs, you are creating additional mitochondria. Wow. So they are actually new baby mitochondria being born sort of all the time, but like the other sort of things, so you're not going to run out of them. Ah, that's that. that that's really interesting. And aren't we amazing complex creatures that that do this? <laughs> it blows my mind every day. The the further I went into school, the more I realized I don't know and the more questions that I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm the same. I'm I'm you know, I don't have a PhD, but I'm like, you know, like the more I study, the more curious I become and the more um amazed I am at the human body and then the more I realize we're scratching the damn surface of what we know and we don't know so much well, all this hype around mitochondria has been within the past five years yeah. I mean yeah. the research has been ongoing but research takes a long time to conduct like that's, oh, yeah let's, you know from the point of conception of an idea you need to get approval from ethical boards you need to get funding to do things you need to get participants recruited then you need to do the intervention and the data collection and all of this up to the point of analysis and publication could be five years for a single study, depending wow. on how large the study is. And so the what Timeline Nutrition has been doing is conducting research from the beginning and it's ongoing and it will forever be ongoing because it's a company founded by scientists who, just like us, continue to have these questions. And we... Yeah. We get such great questions from not only people taking MitoPure, but but people who are just intrigued by the idea, want to learn more about it. And then they'll ask us something like, oh, have you thought of this? And it's like, well, I don't know. The mitochondria affect that. So maybe let's do a study on it. And it's yeah. just been this really interesting progression that started in just safety and now has done, we've, we have multiple clinical human trials published in efficacy, which wow. like you said at the very beginning it's is amazing. rare Super in supplement space. Rare. Like I never thought I would work with a supplement company in a million years. I really didn't. I thought I would be a practitioner or an academic or something like that. And I was I'm still a food first dietitian yeah. mindset, but I have recognized that it can't be food only. Yeah. And if it wasn't for the the rigor and the integrity of timeline, I never would have considered being somebody that would be so such a proponent of one particular product. And yeah. not to say I think this is going to save the world. I, I don't. I don't think there's anything that could save the world completely. But <laughs> this is in the in terms of the supplement space, which I'm immersed in every single day. This is rare. I can yeah, say that. Sure. It is. I mean, I, I've, you know, I'm, I'm studying molecules and different supplements and things all the time. And there's a couple that I've been really impressed with the, the, the amount of research behind them. One is like spermidine. Um, that's really, you know, become 
high on my radar as well. Um, the NMN, but now that may be taken um, for a drug discovery or whatever they call it. And it's just like, oh, you know, like this whole drug versus supplement problem. And that's why when you said that, you know, they're going to keep it as a supplement, keep it accessible is, is just so important. I interviewed a scientist last week, um, uh, a couple, um, Dr. Eric and Stephanie Ben Watson, and they have a product called Fatty 15. And that was also another really exciting molecule because it's a, it's a first essential fatty acid that's been discovered in 90 years. And they were studying dolphins for crying out loud and worked out that some populations of dolphins were living longer than others. And so, and, and they've spent 20 years now doing the research all, all around that. And, 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 you know, getting clinical research costs so much money and it's usually only available for drug discovery and this is the unfortunate thing that the good some of the good things get taken off and then it's it's gone it, it's gone for the general population getting access to something that could be helpful right now um so very grateful for them taking that that route you know um yeah. and, and, one, and think that's one wonderful thing, what i think they did right was when they discovered this molecule they patented the process of creating it Oh wow. Yeah. So you, so, so you can't you can't put a patent on a nutrient because we we do produce it naturally. Yeah. But you can patent the production of that nutrient and that is exactly what Amazentis, who is the parent company of Timeline Nutrition, it's exactly what they did. So yeah. the only urolithin A products out there are Mitopure and uh, one of our um, close friends is Nestle, Nestle Health Sciences, and they also have a urolithin A supplement. Okay, yeah, and, and so this is pretty. This is pretty special. And 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 as as the science unfolds, you'll be able to you know work out. I mean, there's just a million questions and a million directions that you could go in. Um, so yep. you've got your basketball athletes um, on your lithine, I imagine. Yes, I do. <laughs> ones that want to take it. Um, yes, Are you seeing any sort of, uh, you know, athletic improvements? I mean, obviously subjective, but in, in one team. But um, what's your sort of clinical experience with using this? So... I'll, I will be honest. I cannot discern whether or not improvements throughout the course of this season ha- can be contributed directly to MitoPure because we have, we have this really great functional medicine program within our organization. Um, and as part of that, when the athletes volunteer for that program, because nothing is mandatory in the NBA, when they volunteer for that program, they do a full assessment in terms of nutrigenomics, epigenetics, wow. stool tests, urine tests, blood tests, the whole gamut. And then they are prescribed certain supplements in order to support their own metabolic. metabolic Man, they're lucky. They are so lucky. Wouldn't that be great for Please the entire population? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that would be my dream. I mean, you know, that's what I do with, with clients and stuff yeah. one by one to the degree that I can do it. Obviously, you got more resources and things there. But that's just the dream for me, for everybody, you know, in this proactive, let's see where you're at. Let's uh, optimize and let's make a personalized, precision-based plan for you. You know, yes, lucky guys. <laughs> they they really are. And so the ones who have been involved in it for three years, so Mitopure has been part of the regimen consistently now for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, the players who have been in the program for that long, at this point, it's kind of impossible to ask them like, hey, do you remember how you felt? Yeah, nah, you yeah. This is now. And in addition, they're taking, you know, Mitopure plus 
a whole slew of other things. So yeah. again, I cannot contribute it directly to might appear. No. What I do know is that subjectively the athletes who started this year, who consistently utilize all of the recommendations that we give, they do feel better. They, yeah. they sleep better. They subsequently perform better. They are asking for more from us in terms of education and involvement and intervention because they've seen the value because of how they feel better. Um, And the reason I keep mitochondrial health on the forefront of the conversation is always because the mitochondria are the crux of, of everything. So um, you tie that into the amazing research and results that we've seen from might appear. And I'm just like, okay, like there's, and again, it's safe. Like it's NSF certified, which is huge in my world. It needs to be third-party tested um, from a reputable source. So I have, I have 15 guys on my roster currently. I want to say it's about nine or 10 of them taking it consistently. Yep. Um, it's, and what the I, hell are the others not? Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> it's they're the ones who aren't, it's just <laughs> compliance with intervention in general. We'll yeah, I know. I, I I totally get it. You know, like <laughs> it just baffles me sometimes when I like, you know, say to people they might have some really horrific, you know, disease or problem, and we go, we go through all the testing and we come up with a, with some protocols and different doctors are in the mix, and we I don't want to take 10 pills and I'm like yeah. how does that you know like <laughs> I just well, don't understand <laughs> I know I know and some of the guys are really good about it and then I have some others who refuse to take pills and for them that's why I'm so grateful that might appear has the the food powder yeah. product version um because yeah. I, I put that in their smoothies and I call and it that. I, yeah you're like this is that this is a really interesting thing because I've observed this this um this resistance with pills and and so some people just have a resistance but you give them a protein powder and they'll take a whole you know scoop of it I mean I've got this one product perfect aminos which I love from Dr. David Minkoff and I I just happened to get in the import the one that's the tablet form not the, the powder form which is also available right and you know I can't run with both because it's just too expensive to to hold two different types of things um people are like oh my god 10 pills I've got to take these 10 big tablets every day you know that's impossible but then I go well that's one scoop of protein powder it's the same thing that's in there and they're like oh well that's nothing and I'm like yeah exactly you know no, I, I totally agree that the, the <laughs> supplements are a funny world like what people yeah. will or will not do or or where their mind goes like when I get a new player one of the first questions I ask them is, are you taking any supplements uh, or any medications or anything like that? And most times they say no. And I'm like, okay, what about protein powder? Oh yeah. I do protein shake every day. Okay. So like that's a supplement. What else, what else don't you think is a supplement that is actually a supplement? Just interrupting the show to let you know about my longevity and anti-aging supplement range. I'd love you to go and check it out. Go to my website, lisatarmity.com and hit the shop button and you'll see a curated range of supplements, the latest in anti-aging, longevity, health optimization, performance optimization. I've gone out into the world, interviewed the most amazing doctors and scientists, as you'll know if you follow the show, and gone and got some of the best products that are out there. Stuff that I give to my family, that's what's in my range. So go and check it out at lisatamati.com. 
Yeah, and, and I, you know, like I've I've been dealing with a mum, as my listeners know, who's had a horrific uh, medical history with aneurysm, strokes, rehabilitation, come back to normal, then had um, uh, brain cancer, a CNS lymphoma, um, terminal, going to die in the next few weeks situation. This was 18 months ago, and I went the whole metabolic approach to cancer. And I'm talking where we're doing hyperbaric intravenous vitamin C, we're doing... Um, natural health supplements as well as off-label drug combinations. And this, the protocol that she has is over 150 pills a day. And she does that. And then there's peptides and there's injections every day. Um, there's all sorts of things in, in the mix. Um, but we haven't got the cancer anymore. Like it's, you know, currently in remission, we can't, this can't, they can't find it. And she, she had weeks to live. So, you know, like we went just full out, hard out, you know, and sometimes people wait Often, you know, in our case, we didn't know what you don't know until it hits you in the face and you get this diagnosis. But often we can see things happening 10 years ahead, you know, like insulin resistance, for example, is a brilliant example of this. And we can see the dysregulation hitting us and the middle age spread coming and the problems of diabetes and Alzheimer's and things down the road that way. And we could be stopping it now. And But there's just this a crazy resistance and people just think, well, you must be so extreme to do, to do that regime. To me, that's like five minutes of my time. Well, it actually does take me half an hour to put all their protocols and things together. And it's taken years of research and, you know, I'm not underestimating that, but actually for her to take the pills, she just to sit there and go, Oh yeah, take, take a, take a handful of pills. How hard is it? And then the, the rest of the 23 and three quarter hours of the day, she can be, you know, with the grandkids and enjoying life and doing things and, and having a best shot. So yeah, there, there is power in, in, in supplements. People often also think if it's not a drug, it's not powerful. That's also not true. And then, you know, there is a, um, a plethora of supplements out there that are rubbish on the market. Um, and this is why. I'd like to have these conversations with companies that are doing it the right way around and um, have good, really, really good products and they're doing the, the, the hard yards, doing the research and stuff. Cause it's very easy just to stick anything out on the market. It's yes. very hard to get the research that's in behind that done um, and to make it a viable. And, and, and then of course, you know, it does all cost at the end of the day. That research has to be funded by the people that are. You know, you can get grants and things, but at the end of the day, the supplements are going to cost what they're going to cost. And then over time, hopefully they'll get cheaper, you know, with a bit of luck. I think that brings up a good point, too. And it's a question that I've often faced in academic communities of, well, how can you trust the research if it's funded by industry? Yeah. And my response to that. My response to that is, yeah, okay. uh, I see where your concern is. And I used to have the same concern, but answer me this. Number one, how do you propose getting research done uh, that's non-university based? Um, and also, if we want to talk about questioning where the money comes from. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can go down a rabbit hole of like, okay, well, who funds the universities? Who's exactly. funding the professors at these universities? Is it the government? Is it the lobbyists who are lobbying for certain things in the government to take mm. place? Is it the big pharma? Is it, uh-huh. you know, where is... So I think you could go down a whole rabbit hole of like where the money is actually coming from. What you have to then at the end of the day, the way I view it, because of course there is going to be some poorly conducted, poorly overseen industry supported research. Of course, 
There's also poorly conducted, poorly overseen university conducted research. Yep. At the end, at the end of the day, the only thing that we the 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 stopgate we have to bad research is the peer review process. Yeah. And we essentially have to put faith in our colleagues across the world to be reviewing these papers and being critical of the reviews, regardless of where the money came from. And frankly, the way that I see it is if an industry supported study can get published in a reputable journal, to me, those reviewers are probably going to be more critical of the fact that it's industry supported than they would have been if it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And they still passed it through. Mm-hmm. And so I think it gives a different level of just intrigue when those types of studies come out. Because I mean, Timeline, for example, our own, our Amazentis in-house researchers have published in Nature Metabolism, JAMA wow. Network. Wow. I mean, some of the most reputable journals with high impact factors. And so I think that that shouldn't just be dismissed because it came from the industry that produces the supplement. I think that would be a disservice to the scientific community in general. Well, that's just so enlightening of that whole process because I think most people who are sitting outside of this and just as consumers have no idea um, of, of, of how this whole funding and process and clinical research yeah. is conducted and, and that there is bad studies. You know, people think if it's in uh, you know, if it's been done by a scientist who is at a university or, or wherever, um, it must be correct. And that is unfortunately also not the case. And then there has been whole, you know, decades. We've gone decades down one approach because one scientist did one study that sent the whole field down a certain direction and the cancer world is an example of this um and we've spent 50 years down the rabbit hole of this direction and completely ignored the a huge piece of the puzzle that was over here uh and this this is just so so frustrating for me especially in the cancer world because that's where I do a lot of my work um, is that the, you know, the whole, the, the whole genetic side of it has been researched up the wazoo for, for 50 something years, but yes. the whole metabolic theory of cancer has been completely ignored or not completely. That's now starting to emerge, but how many billions and millions of lives could have been impacted if we'd gone down another route? And, you know, like the, another study that really got under my, Workers, the um, Women's Health Initiative, um, mm-hmm. they did their studies on hormone replacement and then came out with this blanket statement after using synthetic progestins um, that all hormone replacement th- p- uh, therapy was bad. And that study today, when I'm sitting with my clients, they, that's the that's the one that they bring up, but I can't, but I'm not interested in hormone replacement because it increases the risk because this one study said it 20, 30 years ago, whenever it was. And that's been debunked and it was fraud yes. and there was, uh, there was a whole shitload of things that were wrong with that study, but that's impacting still today's. Yep. Because mainstream media picked up a couple of headlines, didn't explain the whole science and the whole actual study was um, not good. You know, yeah, shall we say it's the same way? It's, it's the same way that I look at that when I get people asking me questions about, oh, should I not have eggs every day because it increases cholesterol? Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> just like, oh my god, oh no, like <laughs> eggs are just so good unless you've got an allergy. 
Yeah. Big I'm like, thank, thank you for that question from 20 years ago. Yeah. Let me show you this article about how the American Heart Association actually came out and said that that was wrong. Like it, <laughs> you, you made a great point about the media issue with this can just, I mean, the media wants to talk about what's sexy. Like yeah, yeah. I even got a text just this morning from staff within our organization of that study that just came out about erythritol and its relationship with um, stroke risk. And immediately they were like, we need to get rid of everything, uh, artificial sweetener, all of it gone. And I, my, they didn't say that in the text, but like, that's kind of the vibe that I get. Cause it was like, I'm going to talk to X, Y, and Z about this and see if they're taking artificial sweeteners. And my only response was I'll dig into the research behind this claim. Yeah. First. That, that's not the media can, headline. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. A media headline is made to be sexy and thought provoking and get and get the clicks and all Click of that. Bite. Yeah. Let's let's dig. Let me read the study that came out because I think media loves to use words like high and low, and those Extreme. are subjective words. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. High compared to what? Low. What does low mean? You know. Yeah. So I, it's. It's a process that I think a lot enough people aren't made aware of in terms of how to interpret research. Um, yeah. And I face that all the time in my profession because, you know, you've got fitfluencers left and right making nutrition based claims and they're most likely just regurgitating something they heard someone say on a podcast who might have been regurgitating it themselves because, you know, at the end of the day, you have to trust the researchers that are doing the research, but sometimes you change your mind on research. Sometimes you make, you say one thing and then, you know, more information comes out in the years that come along. And yeah, you as well, you know, like science marches on and it does change and we do get more information and go, oh, we were wrong. And that's, that's fine. That's part of the scientific, you know, discovery and the process of it. What I hate is when you get this dogmatic approach to this, you know, and this is a, you know, <laughs> interesting conversation that's gone away from you a little late, but anyway. Yes. <laughs> this is how passionate I'm going to back. We can bring it back. back. <laughs> but I think this is, you know, important for people to understand this, these sorts of things is, you know, like in the medical, in the, in the medical paradigm that we have now, apart from being not in the preventative space and very reactionary and not uh, yes. proactive and, and very slow, it's, it is a slow moving ship. And I don't like the arrogance that comes across with it's authoritarian. It's only our way is the correct way. And every other thing, is you know dismissed as woo woo bullshit, and I'm quoting from a doctor that I had an argument with, who was the head of our uh -huh. medical council, um, who was saying we were we were at a conference, and um, I was the MC for this wellness conference, and there was all these people presenting, nutritionists, genetic people doing genetics, people doing all sorts of things, you know. And this guy presented on his topic, and then afterwards he goes, "All this shit is woo woo bullshit." And I'm going, and therein lies the problem because you're the head of the medical council, you know. This is the arrogance that comes along with that is just, you know, like, have you actually looked at the research around genetics, you know, or hyperbaric oxygen therapy or any of these other things that you're like, like or did you just, just blatantly wipe them out because you're not up on it? Yes. <laughs> no, I face that a ton amongst <laughs> practitioners in my field. Um, I've often seen... I mean, sports dietetics is not a huge field in the U.S. Um, I think it's growing um, and there's 
in my opinion, nutrition professionals kind of have two camps of thought. There might be a third camp. Camp one is like, I'm not touching or recommending anything that doesn't have a government supported large messaging, you know, (laughs) decades of reasons behind it. And like, okay, that's you, you Mm -hmm. are so focused on safety and efficacy that you are wary of anything else that, that hasn't been studied for 30 years. Fine. There's a camp on the far opposite side. Who's like, Oh, I saw this article on Buzzfeed uh, that says such and such will be good for you. Like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to believe that and start touting that same message. And that, I mean, those two things are both dangerous in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. That I view it kind of in the middle is let's take might appear. For example, Uh, is there research in athletes published? Not yet. Will be soon, but not yet. But so at this current time, no. Uh, is there human clinical trials published? Yes. Is it third party tested and certified and safe? Yes. So to me, it means providing it as a supplement. Am I a hundred percent sure of its efficacy? No, I'm not a hundred percent sure of efficacy of literally anything. Yeah. But am I more sure than something that has no research behind it? Absolutely. Am I confident in its safety? Absolutely. And for all of those reasons in the population in which I work, which might not be applicable to all populations, I I acknowledge. Yeah. Yeah. But I work in an environment where just 1% more can make my athletes better and top over their competition. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, you know, like if you stick to the government guidelines on nutrition, well, you're going to end up with diabetes for starters, you know, like honestly, <laughs> they're, they're so outdated, the the pyramid. I don't know if you got the, got the same pyramid, oh, yeah. we've got the food pyramid and I'm just like, you know, like if you follow that, you're definitely going to be sick, you know, like it's just so outdated and I've, you know, had discussions yeah. with scientists on the, just things like the vitamin C recommendations, the RDA for vitamin C and how pathetically low it is and how many scientists have been trying to fight to get it up. Just the RDA. Like we're not asking for the world. So, and all, so much of that research is based in the 1950s. Exactly. Like, it's really old and it's not being updated. And I mean, to give a little bit of fairness to government recommendations, like they're trying to encompass a lot of people. There yeah. are millions of people per country, billions across the world. So to say that certain nutrition practices fit everybody. I mean, I can only think of like, maybe if I had to make, if I had to tell the world one thing to make themselves healthier, I would say emphasize fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Cause I don't think in any way that's going to harm anybody unless they have an allergy. Like let's take that out of the equation. That's the only thing I can think of. I wouldn't say that meat is perfect for everybody. I wouldn't say dairy is perfect for everybody. I wouldn't say it's bad for everybody either. You no, know, it's, yeah, it is very nuanced conversation, but you know, and the, the the dogmatic of the the RDAs and things that are just so outdated and the combinations of things. And they then you've got to look at food. The big food industry is behind a lot of these recommendations, right? You know, like eat your yes. grains, you know, eat your cereal, eat your cornflakes, you know, like don't eat your cornflakes, please. Sorry, I just got scared because my Siri started talking to me that just that scared the crap out of me i'm so sorry no that's okay that's so good <laughs> I just heard, my my Siri is an australian male voice so i just heard like uh-huh yeah in a male voice and i was like who is in my apartment <laughs> <I'm so crazy. laughs> 
Maybe change your story <laughs> to a female friendly voice. I guess so. Yeah, it'll probably be less less immediately alarming if Hopefully I Hopefully they're not they're voice. not listening to our conversation and <laughs> <laughs> oh, my uh, oh funny. But we should bring it back to to your day. So for, at the end of the day, yes. you know, like I think this is one of those supplements that is on my radar as being, you know, generally recognized as safe and lots of uh, research behind it. Uh and um I, I mean, I personally am a risk taker. I'm a biohacker. I, I experiment everything on my own body, not, 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 not on others. Um, but this one to me is a very interesting one for us to be putting in the mix. And anybody yes. who's dealing with mitochondrial dysfunction at the base of their disease or disease process would do well to look into this one, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely recommend viewing our website, timelinenutrition.com. There are a whole bunch of really well-written blogs by one of our staff members who is a dietitian. Um, mm-hmm. She's the way that she can translate kind of, as we've talked about, there's some heavy science behind oh, yeah. this. It's not exactly <laughs> the easiest thing to go through. Um, but I think the way that she has written the blogs make it very, for lack of a better word, appetizing and palatable to uh, just any consumer. So. Yeah, no, it's actually a brilliant website that gives everything in snippets too. So you, oh yeah, I did I digested that one fact, and then I digested that one mm-hmm. fact. So it's, that that's very very well done. So well done to the team at Timeline, fantastic, and thanks, um, Dr. Emily, for for coming on the show. Uh, before you go, do tell us what is it like to work with these guys in the NBA? You know, like how exciting is that <laughs> for you know? It's <laughs> so you cool to travel with them and do their you know. So a little. Yeah, a little bit. I definitely, I work the games. Um, mm-hmm. That has been one interesting aspect that now, you know, I don't go to the games to enjoy them. I go to them to work and don't yeah. get me wrong. I enjoy them and I'm very supportive of our team, um, but it's a different environment. The players are amazing. I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're humans. They're just guys. Like when I, <laughs> when I'm dealing with their food preferences, they're typical males. Um <laughs> You know, I have, I had some cool nuances of like different ethnicities, um, different cultural backgrounds and preferences and how that plays into everything. Um, but as a whole, I really love the organization in which I work. Um, they're very supportive, very evidence driven. Um, and they, everybody cares about the athletes. And I think being in the NBA has definitely been the dream job that I thought it would be. Wow, that's awesome. Very blessed, yes. Yeah, you are very blessed. It would be a heck of a lot of fun to to work, I reckon, with a lot of elite athletes um, and lots of, you know, healthy population doing well. And, um, you know, I think if we can optimize, it's, it's a bit like space travel, whatever we, we do with our athletes and our, you know, space travel and our things, it, 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 it leads the way for the rest of the population as yes. well, because everything could be tested at the, the top end and, um, that filters down, so to speak. So Dr. Emily, thank you so much for your time today. Really, really blessed to have a, a part of your day. I appreciate your, your, uh, information, your critical thinking, your explanations of these quite complex topics. Um, it was real fascinating conversation. Really appreciate no, it. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review, and share with your friends. Head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatamati.com.